give you key point number one, and then we'll unpack it from Genesis chapter 32. Key point number one for us this morning is this. Our faith is revealed through our actions, but rooted in our thinking. Our faith is revealed through our actions, but rooted in our thinking. All right, let's jump into our passage. Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is the camp of God. So he named the place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he instructed them, This is what you are to say to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there until now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants, and now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I might might find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Verse 7, in great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Now the first indication that Jacob hasn't quite surrendered to the Lord is the fact that Jacob's name, or Jacob names the place rather, Mahanaim, which means two camps. He identified that God's camp was in this place, but then he depends upon his own camp to bring victory. The second indication that Jacob hasn't quite surrendered to the Lord's leading is his appeal to Esau through the messengers. Now, Jacob sends messengers. That's a good idea. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, he should have done that. But he calls Esau, my Lord, and even refers to himself as your servant. And furthermore, he tries to impress Esau with all of his wealth. It seems like this is some self-preserving tactic that doesn't really look good on someone who has been chosen by God to carry out the Abrahamic covenant. But then we have the messengers who returned. They returned to Jacob, and Jacob assumes the worst. Look again at verse 6 through 8. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. When I was growing up, my mom always had these pithy little uh, teachable moments, little sayings that she had. And uh, I learned a ton of of lessons uh, through those. 
in fact, we've, we've started to write some of them down. Cheryl and I have, uh, through the years, have collected some of those little statements. But this is one of those lessons that I have dubbed as those who lie, cheat, and steal principle. Here's what my mother uh, used to say. She would say, a liar thinks everybody lies. A cheater thinks everybody is cheating. A thief thinks everyone steals. She always had really good points of application as I was growing up. And points of application for this principle was this. She would say, you know those people who are accusing you of lying when you know good and well you're not? They're basically projecting their own tendencies upon you. You know you're not lying. You know you've told the truth. And when others can, can you know, complain and say, oh, you're lying, they're just projecting what they would do on you. Oh, it used to irritate me because as an artist, I can remember I would draw things even in elementary school. And people would look at it and they would say, oh, you didn't draw that. Your parents must have drawn that. And it would infuriate me. Why would I lie about that? I would go home just frustrated. Like, nobody believes that I even drew this. My mom would say, listen, liars think that everybody lies. People who would lie themselves have a tendency to project what they would do on you. My mom also pointed out that the opposite is true. And here's what, what she meant by that. She said, someone who has a hard time, um, someone who would never lie, always assumes the best. This was my grandmother. She could never understand, why would they lie about that? In fact, she would be so, so convinced that there's no way that they would lie about that. Why would, they, why would they lie? Or why would they cheat? Or why would they steal? It was always confusing to her. Why? Because it was not in her nature to do that. So she would assume, surely no one else would do something like that. It's the liar, cheater, thief principle. But people can always, can either assume the worst in others, or we can assume the best in others. And it's usually our own personal projections. Jacob is a deceiver. And he thinks that everyone else is a deceiver. He thinks that everybody else. Now, why wouldn't he? Laban deceived him, his father-in-law. When Jacob hears that Esau is coming with 400 men, he assumes the worst. And what does he do? He divides his own camp into two. Now, I find that ironic because he's already named the place Mahanaim, which is mean two, means two camps. But he has already acknowledged that God's camp is one of those. And now he's dividing his own camp. Why? Self-preservation. It's a means of escape. He's already thinking a way of how he can be, um, get out of the situation. Our faith is going to be expressed by how we think. And how we think determines how we feel. And how we feel determines how we act. Think, feel, act. If you want to change your behavior, 
It doesn't begin with just changing your actions. It begins with a change of mind. We change how we think, we'll feel differently, and then we'll act differently.